Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilling. We said last week that we, we, every believer has a mission. Every believer has a mission. It's the same mission we've had for the last 2,000 years. Jesus gave us that mission in Matthew 28, and he says, Go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Uh, oh, did I, miss, I skipped the part about baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that's our mission. And we need to understand that, that our relationship with the Holy Spirit is imperative to our mission. This is what, a little bit of what we talked about last week. Holy Spirit is imperative to our mission and being in relationship with him. And, and, and what did Jesus say? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will receive power, dynamite power, as a matter of fact. You will receive dynamite power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be my bold witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Holy Spirit absolutely, absolutely is imperative to our mission. At the end of the, the message last week, I just I kind of didn't know how to end the service. You know, all week long, we're preparing for the, for the service, and I just, every time I think about the end of the service, I was like, I just don't know. So we just left some time. We left some margin. If you were here, you know, but if you weren't here, we, we just stayed for about an extra 30 minutes and just leaned into just letting the Holy Spirit lead the end of that service. And uh, we just prophetically sang. We prayed. Uh, there was some, some scripture reading. And then there was a time we had a word of knowledge. And it was powerful. It was awesome. And it wasn't just awesome because, ooh, we just got these goosebumps and we feel good about ourselves. No, it was awesome because it was a time where we stepped into freedom and empowerment. That word of knowledge came and it was specifically for someone in the room. It could have been for other people outside of the room too, but it was a word of freedom. And it's setting people free and it was empowering people to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus you know, throughout the rest of the week. And so, man, it wasn't, again, just about goosebumps. It was about, man, we had, it's, Holy Spirit is imperative to our mission. Before we get into what we're going to talk about today, uh, I just want to pray. So why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just press into what it is that you have for us. First of all, we just thank you for the Son. We thank you for the Spirit. And we thank you, the three in one, God. You, you mm, it's, it's a mystery. <laughs> it cannot be explained. But yet we see it all throughout Scripture. And so, Holy Spirit, we just revere you. We honor you. We welcome you into this place. And we ask you to minister to us today. And we ask you if there's any barriers or walls or barricades or roadblocks that are in our heart that's preventing us from getting to know you more and stepping in fuller into what you have for our lives, we just ask you to remove those in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you're so kind. You're exactly the way... Um, with each one of us the way that we need you. <laughs> you. You know exactly how we need you. And you speak to every one of our hearts in the way that we can receive it best. And so, um, not that you conform to us, but you, you touch our hearts in ways that maybe you touch my heart in a way that you touch Logan's heart differently, God. And, and so you're unique that way, Holy Spirit. And so we ask you to do that in every one of our hearts today and however we need it, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You know, we, we all know 
sorry if I keep tugging on this mic. You know, Austin was wearing it earlier, and he's dancing around, and it jacked it up back here. So I gotta, we got to fix it later. That's okay. Um, we all know this. When divorce occurs between a husband and a wife, it's a bad thing. It's an awful thing. Um, and it's especially awful, not just for the, for the man and the woman, but it's also awful for the children. You know, uh, children, they have to go live with either one parent or the other, either the mom or the dad. They can't be in two places at once. So the mom and dad have to figure out which home is best for the children to primarily stay in. And if they can't figure it out, then the court has to figure it out for them. And the whole scenario of divorce is just egregious. It's horrible. It's awful for the, for the man and the wife. And it's awful and horrendous for the children as well. And what we have today in the church at large is divorce. A divorce between the word and the spirit. There's been a divorce between the word and the spirit. And, um, and some believers have gone to live in the house of the word. So there, that's where they primarily live, that's where they primarily stay, and they don't really go stay very much with the Spirit. They don't really get to visit the Spirit very often, if at all, but if they do, it's kind of awkward because they don't have relationship there, they don't know what to think, they don't know what to feel, it's a little uncomfortable. And then some people, instead of living in the house of the Word, they go and live in the house of the Spirit, and they never get to really visit the Word. Or maybe if they ever do get to visit the Word, again, it's a little awkward, it's a little uncomfortable, they don't understand, it's boring. And so this is what happens in divorce, the divorce in the church between the Word and the Spirit. And we have all these believers in many churches that are living either in one house or the other. You know, A.W. Tozer said this. He says, uh, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from some churches today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would notice the difference. And that's incredibly sad and scary, but yet it, it also describes many churches today. He also said this, he says, if I'm going to have a spirit-filled life, then I need to have a deep love and appreciation for the Word of God. Those early Christians embraced the Bible and it cost too many of them their lives. So we need to have a high regard for the Scriptures, right? So... The, those of us that live in the Word, those, those people that live in the Word, they, they place a great importance on like exposit, expository preaching and teaching and sound theology and reformed doctrine and you know, uh, justification by faith and the sovereignty of God and so on. And the Word people seem to be all about uh, you know, the honor and reverence of God. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, J.D., what's wrong with that? And to that I say... Nothing is wrong with that at all. It's great. It's the best. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's great. And then you got the people that, the spirit people, though. You know, the, the spirit people, they focus a lot on the book of Acts. You know, they're, they're, they're all about signs and wonders and miracles and prayer and worship. And they'd like to talk, tell the stories about when Paul and Silas are in jail and they start praising and worshiping God and the earthquake shook the jail and their chains fell off. And then they got to minister to the, the head 
uh, jailer and his family, and they got born again. Praise God, revival. They like to talk about when Peter was so full of the Holy Spirit, he'd be walking down the street, and there would be sick people, and he would just walk past them, and the shadow that was cast on them, they would just get healed. Man, that's exciting. And so the spirit people are all about the power and the presence of God. You might think, well, J.D., what's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with it at all. It's fantastic. I love it. It's the best. (laughs) The problem is, is this silent divorce that's happened, and these two groups of people cannot live in harmony and unity with one another, and we can't learn from one another. And each group has has thought, we've we've got the corner on the spiritual market. We've got it figured out. How many of you have ever heard of the man named Smith Wigglesworth? Yeah, it's like some of you are like, that is a made-up name. No, it's not a made-up name. It's a real man, and he's a real man of God. Lived 1859 to 1947. And the last year that he was alive, in 1947, he gave this prophecy about this kind of thing. This prophecy actually is framed and hangs in my wall, hangs on the wall in my office. And I want to read it to you. This is what he says. During the next few decades, there will be two distinct moves of Holy Spirit across the church. The first move will affect every church that is open to receive it, and it will be characterized by the restoration of the baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit. The second move of Holy Spirit will result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches. In the duration of each of these moves, the people who are involved will say, This is a great revival. But the Lord says, No, neither of those is the great revival, but both are steps toward it. When this new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidence in the churches of something that has not been seen before, a coming together of those with an emphasis on the word and those with an emphasis on the spirit. And when the word and the spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit the world has ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse anything that has been witnessed, even the Wesleyan the Wesleyan and Welsh revivals of former years. The outpouring of God's Spirit will overflow, and there will begin a missionary movement to the ends of the earth. Praise God. When the Word people and the Spirit people come together and they're the one people, they're the same people, then there's just going to be this this simultaneous combination that's going to result in spontaneous combustion. When people say, what kind of church is Seeds Church? Is it a word church or is it a spirit church? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're both. We're a word church and we're a spirit church. God didn't divorce the word and the spirit. It wasn't him that did that. So if God didn't divorce the word and the spirit, then we are not going to divorce the word, the, the, the word and the spirit. Amen? I, I know that some of this, that for some of you here, and, and some of you watching online, those in our communities, in, in other churches like Seeds Church, Word and Spirit Churches, some people are uncomfortable because they don't have a paradigm for this. They didn't grow up this way. And, and so there's this like tension and there's this wrestling and there's this, I, I think I like to call it a holy uncomfortableness. A holy uncomfortableness. It's like where you know, it, it seems like God is in this, but it's a new thing to you. So it's a little awkward. It's a little like, I don't know how to be, you know? And, and I just want to say to you, if that's you and you feel that way, it's okay. 
It's okay. It's perfectly okay to feel this holy uncomfortableness. I just want to encourage you in this. Just stick around long enough for God to work it out on the inside of you. You know, in just the short history of our church, we're not even two years old. We've had people come, and they come in, and they experience the power and presence of God, and it overwhelms them. But at some point, they've got these roadblocks and barriers They don't have a paradigm to fit this in, and so they haven't fully opened up their heart. They haven't fully opened up their mind, and then they they don't stay because they haven't been able to wrestle with the holy uncomfortableness. They've not embraced the tension. They've not stayed long enough for God to work it out on the inside. And then we've got other people that have come as well, and they hear the word preached. I mean, these are charismatic people. They hear the word preached, and the Holy Spirit moves upon them to the point of tears, and, the, and they're getting revelation, and the Holy Spirit is saying things even better than what I say, because I'm not that great. And the Holy Spirit says things to them when the word is preached, and they're like, wow, this is amazing. But because maybe we're not charismatic enough in our expression, they don't stick around either, and they move on too. And, and so, you know, listen, I, just listen to this. No matter what expression that you're most comfortable with, Know this, it's not about expression. It's about sanctification and mobilization. It's not about your, your expression, what you're most comfortable with. What it's about is sanctification and mobilization. So for all the people that have moved on, great. God bless you. Go find, the, I hope the next church that you find is another life-giving church. And I hope that you're wholly uncomfortable there too. And I hope that you stay long enough there for God to work something out on the inside of you. You know? Just know this. Seeds don't grow if they're not planted. If you're watching online, or maybe this message is, has nothing to do with Seeds Church for you. Maybe this has to do with another fellowship that you're, God's supposed to have you planted in, but you're, you're not there. I, I, listen, I'm not afraid of people leaving Seeds Church. I'm not afraid of people coming and going. That's not, I want people to be exactly where God's called them to be, where God's planted them to be. We're all on the same team, right. right? We're the kingdom, not Seeds Church kingdom. We are the kingdom of God. This is not just Seeds Church birthday. This is the church's birthday, Pentecost Sunday, Amen. And so, listen, if you're supposed to be here and you left and maybe you're watching online or maybe someone here is going to come around and get the word to you, if you're supposed to be here, come on back. Be part of the family. It's great. And be okay with this holy uncomfortableness. Wrestle with it. Embrace the tension. That It's okay. I just want to give you ease with this, to be honest with you. I don't think that... that Jesus' disciples were super comfortable when he first started talking about Holy Spirit. If you really think about it, if you put it into context, and if you read it in the scriptures, I think that the disciples wrestled with holy uncomfortableness too. In, in Jesus' final moments with his disciples before he went to Gethsemane, before he went to go there and pray, he then got arrested in the middle of the night He's spending a bit of time with his disciples, and he, and he spends this concentrated time, and he talks a lot about Holy Spirit. 
And I'm not really sure, again, that the disciples really super enjoyed hearing about it at first. Here's a couple of excerpts of what Jesus said. John chapter 14, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Now, why would this make the disciples feel uneasy? Well, the reason they probably didn't really like the idea of Holy Spirit at first, because it means that Jesus was leaving. Jesus was leaving. And so for the 12 disciples, Holy Spirit coming in meant that Jesus was having to exit stage right. The initial reference to the Holy Spirit came at the exact same time when Jesus mentioned that he would be going away. So I can see why maybe why the disciples were a little uneasy, why they were a little uncomfortable, why this might be a little upsetting to them. You got to understand, their full-time, round-the-clock, 24-7 job for the last three years has just been following Jesus wherever he goes. So, so they know Jesus intimately. They know what he looks like. They, they know Jesus' eye color. They know his hair color. They know um, the, 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 the tone of his skin. They know the texture of his hair and his skin. They, I'm sure they probably know what it, what it feels like to be hugged by Jesus, to have a firm handshake with Jesus, to be patted on the back by Jesus. They, they know what this feels like. They know the sound of his voice. They recognize his voice. They hear his voice from across the way, and they know it's Jesus speaking. They've heard him speak a lot. They've heard him dialogue with, with, the, uh, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They've had lots of conversations with Jesus. They've heard him preach all of these messages. They've seen Jesus work miracles. They've seen Jesus heal the blind man's eyes. They've seen Jesus walk on water. They've seen Jesus um, uh, multiply the fishes and the loaves. They're familiar with Jesus. And, and there's no doubt in their minds that he is the Messiah. They're like, they, they're, they know. This is the Messiah. This is the one sent. And they think that Jesus has come to overthrow the kingdom of Rome. So as Jesus is talking about going away, they're, they're probably a little perplexed. Because the idea of Jesus going away was probably the furthest thing from their minds. It's quite possible they didn't even really pay attention all that close when Jesus was talking to them about all this. That's why Jesus probably said, he said, what did he say? He'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Like, you're not listening to me right now, but the Holy Spirit will help you remember. And, and, and so they're, 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 they're not even thinking about that. So Jesus is talking about all this, and, and even after Jesus resurrected, He's hanging out here for 40 days, and if you look in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, they still think Jesus is going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. That's, what they, that's in their mind. That's, that's what they're thinking. Jesus is supposed to overthrow Rome, establish the kingdom of Israel. Jesus tried to spoon-feed them. He tried to like, help them really understand, help them wrap their hearts and their minds around the transition that was about to happen. You know, they were no longer going to be experiencing the power and the presence of God in the natural realm through the person of Jesus. Jesus was the son of God, but he was limited in the sense that he was in this human body and he could only be in one place at one time. 
And so Jesus is helping them understand, we're about to transition into a new phase, you guys, where the, the Spirit of God is not going to be with you in the flesh form, in the natural form, but in the spirit form. And you're now going to be able to experience the power and the presence of God no matter what, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, no matter what you're doing. You're going to be able to experience it in the spiritual realm. In, in, in John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said, It's good. It's good. It's for your good that I'm going away. Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit to them by telling them, it is in your best interest that I leave. I think sometimes some believers, they're freaked out by the things of the Spirit because maybe they just don't have this understanding. They just don't know. Sorry. This thing's like a wild thing getting away from me here. I got to... I just ought to make Austin fix it, shouldn't I? No. Where was I? It's good for me. It's, good not, it's not good for me. It's good for you that I go away. It's what Jesus said. It's good for you that I go away. It's in our best interest. Because again, Jesus was limited in the physical body. The Holy Spirit can be in all of us at the same time. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, I'm going to ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. How was the Holy Spirit already dwelling with them if he hadn't come yet? Because Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is saying, you already know, you're already familiar with the person of the Holy Spirit, because we're kin. We're cut from the same cloth. And, and he says, not only is it going to be with you, it's going to be in you. Holy Spirit's going to be in you. So Jesus is saying another would be coming alongside. But really, I don't really think that they were interested in another. The Greek word there is the word parakletos. Parakletos. Now, if you're trying to like translate this Greek word into English, it couldn't be really translated into one single word. It's really a, a lot of different things kind of all wrapped up in one. Par Parakletos is like comforter, advocate, counselor, helper. And, and really, what it really means is the one who comes alongside. Parakletos Jesus is saying, there's going to be another that's going to come alongside. you got to understand, to them, Jesus had been the one. They, had been, they were by Jesus' side. They were alongside Jesus. Jesus was along their side in the natural realm for three years. And so they're perfectly happy with the way things were. They're perfectly happy with Jesus in the flesh. They're in their comfort zone. They liked things the way that they were, except for the part you know, they were kind of anxious about Jesus establishing his kingdom. You know, they're a little anxious about that. They were convinced that they were going to have positions of prominence in the new regime. You know, James and John even argued back and forth who was going to be Jesus' right-hand man, who was going to be Jesus' aide in the new reign. And, and, and so they're looking forward to all of this, but they can only think about it on the natural level, even though Jesus told them 
My kingdom, you cannot see it with physical eyes. Luke 17. But they're not thinking that way. The thought to them of Jesus leaving, it was probably upsetting. It was probably confusing. It was probably painful. And, and the notion of another paraclete, a different paraclete, probably wasn't thrilling. They may have even felt threatened by the idea of Holy Spirit. So the question for us today is, do you feel threatened by Holy Spirit? If you feel threatened by the Holy Spirit, is it because you're happy in your comfort zone? Are you afraid of what Holy, Holy Spirit would require of you? What he would ask you to do? Do you think that you're going to lose yourself? You know, do you feel like you're going to lose something if you make yourself vulnerable and totally open to Holy Spirit? Are you nervous that Holy Spirit is going to embarrass you or make you lose your identity? Do you think that by giving way to the Holy Spirit that you're going to have to change? Do you feel threatened by Holy Spirit? You guys remember the old Doobie Brothers song, uh, Jesus is just all right with me? Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right, oh yeah. Right? DC Talk covered it many years later. I prefer the Doobie Brothers version. It's how I roll. Uh, hipster? Okay. Um, it, it's a great song. But let me just say this. If you're okay, if Jesus is just all right with you, then Holy Spirit can be just all right with you too. If Jesus is just all right with you, then let me assure you, you can be okay. You can, you know, Holy Spirit can be just all right with you. If you're okay with Jesus, you can be okay with Holy Spirit. Jesus was the paraclete in the natural. Holy Spirit is the paraclete in the spiritual. I'm not talking about two different, like, well, I don't know how to be now, you know? Listen, if you're a word person, Come get out of that. Quit the divorce. Marry back in with the Spirit. If you're a Spirit person, quit that. Be a Word and Spirit person. If you're a Jesus person, it's okay to be a Holy Spirit person. To be a Jesus person, actually, really, you really are a Holy Spirit person. You just might not know it. To be a Holy Spirit person means you are a Jesus person. To be either one of those means you're a Father person. Because they're three in one. They're, they're not divorced from one another. Listen, you don't need to feel threatened. You don't need to feel afraid. You don't feel, need to feel nervous about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit wants to protect you. Holy Spirit wants to make you brave. Holy Spirit wants to make you bold. You don't need to worry about what you might lose. You can be confident that what Holy Spirit has to offer you in exchange is exponentially greater. You don't have to be concerned about being vulnerable or weak. You can have peace. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to live as more than a conqueror. 
You don't have to feel uptight or embarrassed about losing your identity. Holy Spirit is a person of honor and he wants to show you your real identity, your true identity. You don't have to be anxious about change. Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you every step of the way. Just like Jesus was alongside the disciples in the natural realm, Holy Spirit wants to come alongside you in the spiritual realm. So if you're okay with Jesus, be okay with Holy Spirit. Jesus put his stamp of approval on Holy Spirit. He said, it's the Father that's gonna send him. If you want more, if you want all, if you want more of what Holy Spirit has for you today, I wanna invite you to stand up with me right now. You just put your arms out in a position to receive more. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. You're part of the Godhead. You're good. You're our paraclete. You're our comforter. You're our helper. You're our advocate. You're the one who comes alongside. You're our counselor. And so we welcome you and we proclaim to you, we want more. We want all of what you have for us. We don't want anything held back. And God, I just pray right now for those in the room that might be nervous, they might be timid, they might be uncomfortable. Holy Spirit, I just pray you just bring them comfort right now. That you would ease, ease their heart. That you would reveal yourself to them. That yeah, Holy Spirit, you can, you can be like a wild goose. You can also be gentle as a dove. Mm. You're so good to us. We want more. If that's your heart today, just say it. Just say it out loud of your mouth. I want more. I want more. We want more, God. This is not just a thing that one of us or two of us want. God, all of us in here, God, we want more. We desire more. This is a collective. We want more. We want more. We want to see more of your spirit and the gifts of the spirit to be in operation in our individual lives when we're at home, when we're at work, when we're in the car, when we're at the grocery store, when we're at the bank, when we're on the ball field. God, we want more in our homes. We want more in our church, God. We want more in our city, in our community. God, wherever we step foot on the earth, we want more. We want the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was, pro- that was foretold in the, in the book of Joel and, and again foretold in the book of Acts. We want the the full outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's already been poured out. We just need to step into it. So Holy Spirit, draw us and help us step into the more. Help us step into the more. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.